Hi, everybody. Welcome to Detox Podcast. I am Denise Walker, your host, and this episode is called Mindfuck. (laughs) That's what it's all about, the holy shit mindfuck that happens so often when we're trying to get sober and stay sober. We'll get to the poem in just a second, Uh, but a few little announcements. I've got three different meditation offerings this week. One is tonight, 7.30 p.m. Lucid Yoga, then Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. And on Friday, hosting a winter solstice celebration with one of my co-teachers, Kim. It's going to be restorative yoga, uh, shadow self-meditation, and some ritual to release some resistance or fears. It's going to be sweet. Uh, You can register for any of those on lucidyoga.ca. And of course, uh, you can buy Pick Your Poison Volume 1 or Volume 2 or my novel Cedar Valley on my website, denisewalkerspeaks.com. And if you're local, you can use the code FREESHIP for free pickup within Edmonton. Yeah. Okay, well, now that is out of the way, let's get into this little little nugget of craziness. Okay. Here's the poem, Mindfuck. I've been down this crooked road before. I've scabs from the splintered concrete and wounds that refuse to clot, bloodied by thorns that haunt my dreams. I've ignored the weathered signs and the new ones erected by my hand. Turn back, stop, do not go farther. Yet, I know what waits beyond the point of no return, past where the path disappears in a sharp decline. Below, the rocky bottom is always the same. Pain, shame, guilt, a haze I can't shake. A hundred questions without answers and hellfire to pay. Endless valleys of self-loathing, emptiness, and anger. Ten thousand problems shoved under the rug to be dealt with later. The nothingness will swallow me. I'll beg for death, for some small relief. Let me out, take me back. Ten thousand silent screams. I've been there before. I survived. I still breathe. So what's another go? What's the worst that can happen to me? I wrote this one in the shadow of my first would-be sober vacation with other people. I'd gone to Arizona about a month before just under a month before by myself. Uh, we, we heard about that in Blue Heaven. We heard about that in the poem Solo Travel, about me going and having a wonderful, transformative, sober experience all by myself, very empowering, super confidence boosting. But this, this was a trip I had planned to an all-inclusive in Mexico with my friends. My boyfriend's friends, my boyfriend, and... I had booked it while I was still drinking with the complete intention of, you know, uh, an all-inclusive is kind of uh, someone who has an addiction. That's like a dream come true, right? Someone who loves alcohol and you can just have it anytime you want, pouring freely, and it's already included in the price that you've already paid. That's, That's a dream come true for someone like me. So I couldn't decouple the idea of going to an all-inclusive and not drinking. 
That seemed crazy to me. How could you go someplace that offers quote-unquote free booze all the time? Margaritas. I fucking loved margaritas, you know? And like, of course, you could ask for a virgin one. You could ask for non-alcoholic everything. But did that cross my mind? It did, but it seemed impossible. So at this point, I'm doing this crazy dance in my head, right? I'm doing, okay, well, do I actually want to drink? Or is it the addiction speaking? Am I running these scenarios where I'm sober in my everyday life, but when I go to Mexico for seven days, I drink there, but that's like vacation, Denise, so it's okay. And when I get back, it'll be totally fine. I'll be sober again. It'll be great. That's just on vacation. That's fine. It's like a free little pass, right? And I couldn't. I couldn't get out of the whole like, is this a real desire or is it an addictive desire? Is it the neural pathways that are in my brain talking me into doing this? Is the addiction still active? Is it still grasping at any reason, any logic that I could assemble to make it okay that I drink? That's exactly what it is. It's a mind fuck because it just, it felt impossible to know if it was a true want of my own coming from my own thoughts, feelings, drive, or if it was this insidious thing that had grown inside of my brain and was talking at me. I couldn't distinguish the voice between my real self and and my addicted brain. And it really felt like I was on the edge of this cliff and I could see the ground below. The ground that I used to always be at. Down in that really low, low valley. Jagged rocks and darkness. That's where I used to live. And I've climbed up on this high cliff and I know that if I fell, I would still survive because I'd done it before, right? I'd had a week here, two weeks there, and I went back to drinking previously. This was the longest stretch I'd had, which was about, it was just shy of three months, almost at the 90-day mark. And yeah, I knew. I knew that if I fell, I would survive. And that's that's the, the really fucky part right? Because I just, I knew that I would survive, but I would want to die. But everything in my body was telling me to do it. It was like, jump, jump, just jump off the cliff. You won't die. It'll be worth it. What? That's so insane. 
And I'm telling you right now, if you're having these thoughts, I know it's Christmas time and this shit comes out at Christmas time. This huge mind fuck where you're going to parties and you're hanging out with friends that you used to always hang out and party with and you're going to family gatherings where everybody's offering you wine even though they know you don't drink. I was literally, I just got home from my boyfriend's grandma's house and she offered me wine and I've been sober for over two and a half years and they all know that. And it's just, it can come out. Your brain can start saying, oh, well, you've been down this road before. You've survived. You still breathe. So what's another go? What's the worst that could happen to me? (sighs) This is a really dangerous place to be in. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're having like really manic thoughts about drinking and you and you can't decipher between what's real and what's not, that's because that's that's a diseased way of thinking. Like, I don't believe that addiction is a disease, but in mental health, in my line of work, I work at ambulance dispatch and we have this uh, road to mental readiness thing. It's like a a spectrum. And it goes from healthy to sick. And when you're sick, that's when you start doing the things like abusing substances. You are isolating. You are having really negative thoughts. You don't see the light in anything. You are withdrawing from things you love. You're very irritable, angry, mood swings, you know? We know that that's not a healthy way for our brain to be. That's not a healthy mental state. So I'm telling you that if you are struggling with this mental gymnastics of should I, shouldn't I, you are still addicted. You are still in that space. You're too close to it. And for me, I made a pact with myself that I wouldn't decide until I got there, until I got to Mexico, what I would do or not do. And, and I ended up drinking. And the next poem is all about, it's called Drinking Again. So the next, the next episode, I'm going to go into what it was like uh, to drink again after being three months sober. And that's the last time that I've drank. But I can see now that it wasn't really my choice, you know? In this point in my recovery, that would seem ludicrous to go to an all-inclusive and have to fight myself on whether I should drink or not. Now, at two and a half plus years sober, I know that I wouldn't drink. I've I've gained enough space between me and my active addiction to know that that would be a really dangerous thing for me to do. It would not go well. I've done so much work on myself and done so much healing that my brain can recognize that that's not okay. But back then, being almost... almost three months sober, only three months sober, 
you're in the throes of post-acute withdrawal syndrome, you are, life is fucking hard. Why make it harder? Why drink again? It's going to make everything so much worse. Because when you come home from that vacation or you come home from that New Year's party or that Christmas dinner, the next day, you're going to have to do day one again. 10,000 problems shoved under the rug. A hundred questions without answers. 10,000 silent screams. Let me out. Take me back. You will be in a world of pain. You know this. I knew this. I wrote this before I even made the decision. There will be hellfire to pay. Shame, guilt, fear, self-loathing. Literally horrible, horrible states to be in. I knew I knew how bad it was going to be, but I did it anyway, because I'm addicted to alcohol. It's really, really difficult to be in that position, I hear you, to not really be able to feel like you can trust yourself or your desires or the things you want to do because because it doesn't feel like you're the one really making the decision. You want to feel like you're in control. You want to feel like it's you making the decision. But addiction is a beast. It's so insidious. It's so sneaky and silent. And it pretends to be you. It pretends to be your thoughts. It pretends to be your desires. And I hated knowing that I was going with other people who also know that I was sober and struggling with this. But I was around them and drinking in front of them. It was so weird because you then you feel this horrible like weight on your shoulders to, to sort of like explain yourself, you know. You you it's almost impossible not to to think of how much people are judging you, and we've dealt with that enough, haven't we? Haven't we dealt with that enough through our active addiction days where we we were hiding and lying? And hurting the people that we loved because alcohol was more important than anything else? Weren't we judged enough back then? Weren't we judging ourselves enough back then? I know that they say that you have to relapse in order to to understand. You have to get it out of your system. But I think that's fucking bullshit. I don't think anybody has to do anything one way or another. Your path is your own. You'll do what you do. I'm glad for the experience, but I wouldn't go seeking out destroying your sobriety to have an experience, right? Doing things for the experience is all well and good, but as long as it's not harmful. I'm not about to chop my hand off just for the experience. Not about to jump off my balcony just for the experience. I'm not about to break up with my boyfriend just for the experience to see what will happen afterwards. You know, that's, that's an unhealthy mental state to, to be reckless. You see that a lot in people who are suffering, who are struggling with uh, depression, and, and it's kind of dipped 
to a scary, really low, very dark place, recklessness is one of those symptoms where you're not really, you don't care too much about what happens. You're just, you're doing things because who cares? Who cares what happens? Who cares if I break my leg? Who cares if I die? That's a huge red flag. And that can be, that can be related to, to this. If you don't know, if you don't care what happens afterwards, that's something to think about. It is easy to get tunnel vision on it, not see the afterwards, not see the morning after, not see the weeks after, the months after. You only see the moment of when you might drink again. And you're you're so zeroed in on it, you think about it, you think about it, you think about it. Turning it over in your mind. Should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? But then what? What happens after? It can be helpful to, to pretend... Uh, This is what my therapist has given me as homework this week. He literally gave me a picture of a fly, one to keep at home. I can see it from where I am right now. It's up high and one to bring to work with me to keep at my desk as a reminder for if you feel like you're too close to a situation to take a higher altitude and pretend to be sort of like a fly on the wall. Watch yourself and watch your actions. See what your behaviors are doing right now. See what your feelings are doing right now, what the other people are doing. Just play it out. Play it out like you were watching a play or you're seeing it bird's eye view, like a fly on the wall, right? Like exactly like a fly on the wall. Instead of being so in it, so tunnel visioned in it, try to take a step back and see the bigger picture. I know that can be really hard, especially in early recovery. It's very, very difficult or or consumed. It's true. So I feel you. I really do. This is hard shit. But holy hell, is it worth it if you don't give in? If you keep pushing, you keep choosing yourself, keep choosing sobriety... You can do it. I absolutely know that you can do it. We all can. We are all capable of this. It's not just some people. All of us can. We were all sober once. Before all of this. We can return to that original state. It is the state we're meant to be in. It's beautiful and the clarity, oh my gosh. I can't wait for next week's episode because it's just going to be a continuation of this. I'm going to relate things back to this. Shocker, everything turned out exactly as I predicted, you know? We know, we know how bad it's going to be. Sometimes we do it anyway. We just, we repeat the cycle until we don't. The same things keep happening to us until we choose different, a different path. We accept the endless invitation to grow, expand, be different. 
be better, build trust within ourselves, stop breaking the boundary we've tried to keep building within ourselves, stop hurting ourselves. If you're struggling this holiday season, I feel you. If you're struggling and it's not the holiday season, I feel you. Because this, I mean, it comes to a, a head at holidays, but it, it's not the only time it comes to a head. It comes to a head after a long day of work. You know, it comes to a head when you visit your dad in the hospital or you have a fight with your best friend. Your spouse doesn't hear you. Your kids are driving you crazy. You lose your job. Life's fucking hard, and we used to do the thing that worked. We used to numb, and it worked, until it started creating extra problems for us to deal with. We shoved all of those problems under the rug to be dealt with later, but now they're creeping up on us. we got to face them. And it's these moments, these moments at Christmas time, and when our family members are ill or injured, when hardship strikes us, these are the moments where we choose, do we sweep it under the rug again or do we face it? The choice is yours to make. I've been down this crooked road before. I have scabs from the splintered concrete and wounds that refuse to clot, bloodied by thorns that haunt my dreams. I've ignored the weathered signs and the new ones erected by my hand. Turn back, stop, do not go farther, yet I know what waits beyond the point of no return, past where the path disappears in a sharp decline. Below the rocky bottom is always the same, pain, shame, guilt, a haze I can't shake. A hundred questions without answers and hellfire to pay. Endless valleys of self-loathing, emptiness, and anger. Ten thousand problems shoved under the rug to be dealt with later. The nothingness will swallow me. I'll beg for death, for some small relief. Let me out, take me back. Ten thousand silent screams. I've been there before. I survived, I still breathe. So what's another go? What's the worst that can happen to me? Sending you so much love. Until next week.